Actor and filmmaker Ann Johnston Brown has spent the past 35 years navigating the ups and downs of Hollywood. With a master's degree in theater arts, Ann was a professor at the prestigious American Academy of Dramatic Arts in Los Angeles and is the author of several books published by Smith & Krauss, the world's largest of its kind. Her films on the subject of homelessness have won countless awards, and her voice can be heard throughout the world in a variety of television and radio commercials, as well as the audiobooks of many New York Times and USA Today best-selling authors. And now, she brings to you the best of what she's learned. Welcome to The Actor's Guide. Hello, and welcome back to The Actor's Guide. I'm going to continue with our Masterclass series, and today I'm going to do a Masterclass in theater acting. I was a theater actor for at least 20 years of my career. Actually, I've never stopped being a theater actor, but um, the first 20 years, that's all I did. And I had some great opportunities to work with some fantastic actors. I learned a lot from them. I had majored in theater arts as an undergraduate, and then I even had my master's degree in theater. But there's nothing like the experience you get on the stage, just doing it. And that's why I always recommend, regardless of the genre of acting or the entertainment arts that you want to go into, film production, acting for the stage, acting in front of the camera, voice acting, whatever. It is one of the greatest ways to train, and that is the theater. And and that training is something that will give you an understanding of, of the nomenclature, of, of acting, the, the, just the relationships, whether it be networking or actually in acting relationships of your characters on the stage. All of these things are going to be improved when you literally perform in front of a live audience and you have a cast that you work with and bounce off of on a regular basis through rehearsals, then onto the stage for the performances. And sometimes you might even go on tour and you'll, and you'll, you know, you will keep doing it over and over again. And you'll always be hopefully making new discoveries the entire time. And it is a wonderful masterclass in and of itself. But I did have an opportunity several times to play the role of Maria in The Sound of Music. And this one particular time, I think it was around the year 2000, I was on the stage with two different families, two different Von Trapp kids, sets of uh, Von Trapp kids. And so I had, I had a lot of kids uh, to to get to know um, different energies as the, the the kids you know every actor brings their own thing to uh, their character and so I had to to you know bounce off of two sets of von Trapp kids every show and that was uh, really exciting for me because I love I'm I mean I'm an improv actor I just love the idea especially with young untrained actors to get the chance to to in the moment without 
really knowing what's possible on the stage that night because you never know what a kid's going to do, especially some of the little ones, like, you know, the, 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 the younger ones. Um, you just aren't sure what you're going to get. And it was a, a great adventure. But I did have a few negative experiences because of that. And what happened was I was inspired to write something I called the Ten Commandments of Theater. And uh, the, 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 the turning point for me was being on stage one night and in a very, very powerful moment toward the end of, of the show when every, the heat is on, everything's happening, and the Germans, you know, have invaded. I, uh, I was trying to, you know, obviously I was, I was keeping my circle of attention as small as possible, and suddenly I start hearing the kids backstage just laughing and cutting up and and I wasn't upset I just knew that that's what happens when when you're working with with a younger cast that hasn't really had much training obviously I was probably more upset with the 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 assistant stage managers and 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 the um house mothers but I you know I thought well what's going on back there that that they're not being kind of um uh kept in the green rooms but the 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 result of that experience did lead to a book that I ended up writing. I actually wrote the book, The Ten Commandments of Theater. I thought what I would do today is take about 20, 25 minutes and summarize a quick little masterclass of theater acting. Now, I'm going to skip past the fact that you auditioned, got the role, and now you're ready to start working. And when you start working, you're obviously going to get the script. And uh, uh, now in, in equity theater, a lot of times we work with a well, now I'm, I'm talking about paper scripts. Now, these days we're we're doing more stuff with um, with online uh, script readers and we don't necessarily have paper scripts. But back, you know, years ago. You would rent the scripts. The scripts were not yours to keep. They and and the theater would rent them. the The producers would rent the scripts, and so you had to make notes in the script in pencil. And before you turn that script back in, back into you know the producers, you had to erase all all of your writing. Uh, it was it was kind of comical to think of 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 that of how archaic that 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 seems. But what we do with the script when we get it is so important. Now, the, the, the way we treat a script is we obviously are going to read it several times before we start doing any of what we call script analysis. And once you read it over and over, and I don't mean please, please never just read your own parts and not the others. This is going to be a life that you are going to represent on the stage. And unless you know the relationships you have with those other characters, you cannot believably play your character. And in order to know about those relationships, you have to read the dialogue that's coming from the other characters, not just your cue line. And for those of you who don't know what a cue line is, that is the line that 
that precedes your line. And it, and you could have the character before that, that's speaking before you could have 12, 15 lines. And just to read his or her cue line, the one that just right directly precedes yours, is is robbing the audience, the other actors, and even yourself of what what you are supposed to be bringing. If you're going to get hired to play a role, there is a certain responsibility that you have, and that is to have read and 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 actually absorbed the meaning of what is going on in every scene. And o- and the only way you can do that is to have given as much credit to the other lines as you do your own. So you're going to read the script, every line, several times to begin. And then we do something called script analysis. And the, and the reason we do this is, is we want to develop our character. I like to say, and you've heard me say this in other uh, episodes, I like to say that when we do our character development, we are slipping into the skin of our character. And by reading the script and analyzing what's going on and what we're feeling and why we're doing what we're doing, we are putting flesh onto the skeleton of the character we were given. We're given a bag of bones, guys. We're just given a bag of bones. And we have to put the flesh on it. So you're going to read the script through. Of course, you'll do a table read too, probably before you, the night you get your script, it'll probably be uh, a read through with the other actors. Maybe, maybe not, but uh, but it usually is. And you are are going to want to, after you you have read it, like I said, several times, you're going to want to ask yourself, what are my intentions what tactics am I using in everything I'm trying to achieve in every scene? And what is my overall, what we call super objective as what, what is my care? Why is my character even in this show? Why? Ask yourself why. Anytime you are trying to figure something out, Usually, when we're trying to figure something out, we always ask the question, why? But why don't we ask the question, why, of our characters? When we are analyzing all these things, the best question you can ask is, why did she say that? Why did he do that? And look at your lines and ask yourself, is the line direct? Or am I saying something with subtext attached to it? Wow, isn't that a powerful thing, subtext? We do it every day. We do it all the time. Maybe not every day, but we do it all the time as humans. We imply something by saying something that seems rather innocuous, right? So look at the subtext of some of the things. And, and you know, I, I like to talk about there's two things that you need to think about or actually write down and analyze it. Through your script analysis, you are going to write down given circumstances. Given circumstances are given. They are the things that you either say about yourself in the play. They are things that either that maybe the author, the, scre- the, the, uh, the playwright has actually 
given you in the either the stage directions or uh, at the beginning when he's when he or she is is laying out the descriptions of all the characters given information about your character but here is where you get to play when you get to contrive information when you get to make your own choices now these choices cannot contradict anything that is given to you so if you're told that your character is blind that's a given they can't get around it well you can't suddenly make it seem like you can see in the play that's not a choice you make oh you know what i'm going to play this blind character as if he actually can see that's that's ridiculous i know that's over the top example but at least it's an example that you won't forget and it applies to even smaller choices that you might make and i love it when i don't love it i'm being sarcastic but when an actor will make a choice that they decide is going to set their character apart from any other portrayal of that character in the history of this of this play and the director and even sometimes the playwright is there um and even other actors might pipe in and say that choice completely contradicts everything that's been that we know that we the other actors or we me the director or whatever knows about this character of yours you can't just contradict for the sake of being original so think about really bold risky choices that you will make as an actor portraying a character that you have been given and when we are cast in a show we are given this character we're given this bag of bones and it is up to you to put that very interesting visceral skin on that character but be aware of what you shouldn't do as well we uh we want to definitely reread the script i say daily i used to read my script from top to bottom every day but that's up to you but you certainly don't want to get yourself uh, bogged down with lots of choices make several very powerful choices about your character do not read the script every day and make changes every day you need to build not break down and then rebuild every day so keep building on the work you're doing every day I like uh I like to talk a lot about scene analysis and character analysis. There's a difference between scene analysis and character analysis. For the character, we're doing what what I just told you to do. Write down all the circumstances. For the scene analysis, I I really feel like it's so important again that we know what the other character what relationship we have with the other character what that other character in the scene or characters how everyone else feels about my character that's a big part of scene analysis um again we 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 want to make we want to interpret all of these things for ourselves try oh boy i always hate to say this because this is very controversial but if you are doing a play that has been done many times that a movie was made of okay um i think of so many tennessee williams plays that have been that movies were made of 
cat on a hot tin roof. Come on. How many times has that been done? But the movie is the thing we remember, right? And I beg you, when cast in a play that there's a movie associated with it, please don't just watch the movie, analyze the the way Elizabeth Taylor is playing your character, and do a uh, just basically a, a a mimic of of what she did. Basically, you know, you're you're doing you're 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 just copying. You're not living. You're copying something you saw. At my one of my well, one of my very first acting professors in college. She she changed my life. She brought me Stanislavski. She brought me method acting. She 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 brought a lot to me. I'm I'm trying to get her on the show, but we'll see. Um, she's retired, but um, but she she used to just be so careful with us in that she wanted us to live the role, and she would she would make sure she would tell us do not do not just take uh, somebody else's interpretation and just you know rubber stamp it. She wanted us to bring ourselves to that role. And that's what acting is, guys. When we live a role, we are basically taking our personal selves, me, the actor, and I am applying those circumstances that are that the, that I told you you're going to write down all the given circumstances. I'm applying them to me, to me, not you, not Elizabeth Taylor, but to me. And then I'm going to ask myself the what we call the magic if. If that were true in my life, how would I respond? There you go. That's method acting 101. And it's it's the beginning and the end, really. It's the magic if, and you have to ask yourself that question. So uh, let's keep moving on. I don't have a lot of time. I may turn this into a two-parter. But uh, but it is so important that you do your research. You think about your character, the given circumstances, and th- and ask that why. And then in in this entire process of preparing your character, analyzing the scenes, you have to also be preparing your instrument, this body, this voice, this mind, all of it. All of it is a part of of your instrument. We say prepare the voice, body, and mind. We say optimize it, prepare the whole instrument. Acting is action. How can you do any anything with action if you're stifled mentally, physically, vocally? We, we must have a sense of ease on the stage. And I don't mean you go on and you just kind of, hey, how's it going, everybody? No, a sense of ease means that you are so confident and you are so at peace with the connection you've made with your character that you will play with so much ease, with so much believability that the audience is going to be mesmerized. You don't even have to say a word. Your body will be so optimized and connected. And you also, when you're 
optimize, you play much more with spontaneity. We talk about the physical body. The physical body must be conditioned. Circulation, oxygenation, spontaneity, flexibility, all of this is part of that. And that's why I have a a warm-up routine for my body and for my voice before every show, and you should too. And if you don't have one, just send me an email. You have my website address. Send me an email. I would love to send you a handout. But we do warm up the vo- voice and the body. We Our voices have to be free enough to articulate. We want to respirate, which means breathing, phonation, creating sound easily through our vocal cords, and then that full resonation. Now you say full resonation. What if I'm playing a character who has a has a real nasally voice like this or or who's, who's really tough and, and talks like this? Hey, you got to know how to find those resonating chambers. This requires vocal warm-up. And I have a PDF for that too. Just send me an email. And hey, the mind, we cannot leave out... Having the mind optimized. We want to be able to concentrate. Hey, you're, you're really doing yourself a disfavor. If you drink alcohol, take certain medicines, do, 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 do unhealthy things before a show. I've worked with way too many actors in professional theater who get drunk before the show. I'm just going to be honest with you or, or, or they're all, they're under the influence. And you know it. And, and then everyone else has to pick up for that character, for that actor whose character is lagging. Uh, please take this seriously. I don't care what you do after the show. When that curtain comes down, grab, grab your vodka, but make sure that when that curtain goes up, you are 100% ready to live the life of your character. So we are like an instrumentalist. Our bodies, minds, voices, we are playing our instruments. There is another facet of, of, you know, theater that I just want to speak about just for a minute or two because we're running out of time. But I believe that it's important if you are going to perform as a theater actor, there is a lot of superstition in theater. It's, it's, it's deck, it's more than decades. It's centuries old. I know that a lot of you think, how silly. We shouldn't say good luck to each other. I can't say Macbeth inside the theater. I can't whistle in the theater. Are you kidding me? This is silly. Well, it may be silly, but there is a, a ritual. There is a, there is symbolism that I believe should be respected. If there are people who are, who are, have trained in the theater, they've been in the theater on Broadway decades, and they have bought into the, the superstitions, the traditions of theater, the least you can do is just let them respect it, or you should respect their theater ritual. Um, I had a, a, a student, <laughs> No, I'm sorry. He wasn't a student. He was actually, uh, we were students together in college. And our, our professor said, do not ever say Macbeth inside the theater unless you are doing the role of Macbeth. We call it the Scottish play. You never say Macbeth. Well, he was a little rebel. So he went in the theater one day. I was there. Several of us were there. And he said, Macbeth! And everybody laughed. I kind of felt weird. I didn't laugh. Um, 
But anyway, that night, we had a show. <laughs> I'm going to cut to the chase, guys. We're in the middle of the show, and this guy fell through the trap in the floor. It was not intended to be used during this show. The trap somehow got loose, and he was in the middle of a scene and literally fell through the trap, broke his arm. Now, say what you will, you know, infer what you will, but I'm just saying I became a believer. So anyway, it, 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 it would behoove us all to just really stay, just stay respectful. If, if someone has a, tr- uh, a process, and I, this is what I also wanted to bring up, is the actor's process. That is something that can be very strange and unusual. Uh, <laughs> you know, some people make silly sounds backstage as they are trying to get into character. They, they may, they may uh, do crazy outlandish physical things. Just let them do what they've got to do. And here's a warning, though, for those of you who do have unusual ways of getting into character, warming up. Don't make a spectacle of yourself. Go go out in 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 the back. Uh, find a, a private area to do that. But if the area, if the backstage is small, and sometimes it's impossible to find a private place. It is incumbent on all of us to allow the other actors to get into character. So, so respect the process of your fellow actors. And in, and in that regard, on the stage, it would behoove everyone to actually listen. Stay in the moment on stage. Remember, you you cannot just be uttering lines. You are reacting with your line to what happened before, whether it's a line that was said to you, whether it was something that happened. You are reacting. How can you believably react if you didn't actually listen or at least concentrate in the moment and, and literally live it as if it happened the first time? Hear the line being said to you for the first time every time. And then react on behalf of your character accordingly. That is probably the best lesson I can give you today for not only theater acting, for all acting, for all acting. On the stage, where where it could be a sound stage, you could be in television, you could be on a film set. Do not memorize your lines and then wait for the next line. Wait for the next chance that you have to say your line. Every line said to you, everything that happens to you, you are reacting to it. Your internal monologue should be going crazy the whole time. You should be sitting there, standing there, hearing, experiencing, and your internal monologue, you should be saying in your mind, wow, what was that? Oh, really? Oh, wow. You shouldn't be thinking, I wonder what the director's thinking right now. I wonder if my mom's in the audience. I hope she's taking pictures. I wonder what we'll eat after the show. No. You sh- your internal monologue should be speaking on behalf of your character the entire time. And that is, a, that is probably the best way you can stay connected with your character and the entire world of the play. We have the world of the play. We have the world of the scene. We have the world of our characters. Like three worlds within worlds, the little, the little world of our character, the bigger world of our scene, and the huge universe of the play. 
And we cannot stay connected if we're not listening and, 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 and like I said, listen and hear for the first time. This is not something we're parroting back. This is not something we're duplicating every night on the stage. I'm going to duplicate what I did last night because that got a big laugh. No, that's just you turning the mirror on yourself. You're looking at yourself in this mirror going, ooh, how did I do that last night? I'm going to do it again. And you're going to stare at yourself the whole time in that mirror. You can't do that. You are robbing the audience and you're robbing your other actors and you're robbing the playwright and the director and especially you're robbing yourself and the character you're playing. These are the most important tips from my book, The Ten Commandments of Theater. I have quite a few more. <laughs> I have a number of other things that that are in the book and I'm not hawking the book. You're welcome to purchase it. It's on Amazon. It's on my website. But no. I'm here to help you with this very quick, succinct masterclass in theater acting, in basically all acting, really. And I encourage you to take care of your, of your instrument. Take care of your body. If you are doing Shakespeare in the Park and the, and, and this is the middle of February or May or, or it could be any time of year, really. Make sure you wrap your, your throat with, with a nice warm scarf while you're out there before you go on stage. Do the things that are necessary. If you have to take a bunch of vitamin C to ensure you're not going to get sick, do that. Do what you have to do to keep your instrument healthy. I will say that you've heard it. The show must go on. That's not just something we say. I'm going to tell you now, it goes on. It will go on. I, I've i known people who've lost a parent and literally went on that night. Now, that's going to be something. <laughs> I've never lost a parent. Thank you, God. I don't know what I would have done. But there are people who truly believe in the show must go on. And I will tell you, if you have a little sniffle or something, nobody's going to give you any. They're not going to let you get away with that. You will go on and sniff away because it it is it is incumbent on you to keep your body healthy and to make sure that short of being on a gurney lying in the emergency room, that you are going to be able to go on with the show. So that's it, guys. That's my Ten Commandments of Theater in a nutshell. I hope that you found this helpful. We have many more master classes to come. I hope you tune in again. We have one coming up on character development through archetyping. We have another one coming up, real big one, with Chris Kyer on auditioning. Stay tuned. We'll see you then. This has been the Actor's Guide. Tag, you're it. This has been The Actor's Guide. For more information about Ann Johnston-Brown or to join the tag team, please visit our website at ajbprods.com slash podcast.